Blue collar people are some of the grittiest, toughest, bravest human beings on the planet. Every building, bridge, and road was built on the backs of their hard work. Every piece of raw material was mined by their calloused hands. They manufacture our goods and transport them around the world. We see that strong outer shell, but there's more to every person than meets the eye. In this podcast, blue-collar business leaders tell their stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. That's only possible because of a mental and emotional fortitude and a willingness to ask for help. It's our mission to bring hope to those of us who are strong on the outside, but may be living a life of quiet desperation on the inside. We'll do that by working together to tell the truth about the challenges we face and what it really takes to break through them. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. I'm your host, once again, Mick Carbo, and here with a very special guest, author, Sherry Jenga. Hi, Sherry, how are you? Good, Mick. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on this great show. I'm so excited uh, to get your listeners involved with our story. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I've been pumped about this. Let me, let me tell everybody here real quick, you know, Sherry sent me her book. Uh, I'm still working through it, but it's uh, it's an amazing story and it's been used for uh, a lot of good out in the world. So I'm not going to share too many details about it. I'd like for Sherry to, 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 you know, clue us in on the book and the impact that it's making out in the world. So before we dive into your story here, Sherry, why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself? What would you like the audience to know about you and maybe about your book? Sure. Um, so I, I'm currently employed at uh, Foxwoods Resort Casino as a waitress in the High Roller Lounge. Um, I deal with a lot of customer service and um, a lot of different personalities with uh, either gambling, you know, in problems or uh, people who might be depressed and, you know, from losing their house or their business. Um, so I deal with that one aspect of my life. And I also am a bookkeeper for a paving company. Um, I've been there for 11 years and um, we are a pretty large company. We do a lot of commercial um a lot of commercial paving. And my background with that, the construction workers, we've had two suicides at our company um, due to drugs and alcohol overdose. Oh, man. So, um, you know, the background in the construction industry, um, I definitely have experience firsthand of workers who have been severely depressed and chose to take in their life, which is a very sad situation. Yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. It must be, must be challenging working in that environment sometimes when, you know, things like that are going on for people. Did, did you ever find that challenging for yourself? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's very sad. And the way I operate, I really try to lift everybody up from their problems and try to help them cope um, and manage their life. And not everybody, sometimes you don't get to reach out to everybody the way you want to reach out to them. Um, but, you know, I try to help as many of those who will listen 
you know, from my own background and my own experience, my own life lessons, um, I like to try to give an outlook to a lot of people to have a positive attitude that things can get better if we try and we cope and we learn how, when you find the skills of how to accomplish what you need to do to get through a bad situation. Uh, Sherry, that's really awesome that you're that way with people. I'm sure that, uh, you know, the, the, the positive energy is felt by folks and that it really makes a difference for people. And I appreciate that you're somebody in the world who is uh, uh, helping people in that way. It really makes a difference. Yeah. I want to make everybody feel like they're a million bucks. You know, everybody has some self-worth to them. Not everybody just knows what their self-worth is. It might take them time to figure out, you know, they could have had a bad childhood where they never got guidance or they didn't get the respect they should have gotten. So, you know, it only takes one person, I think personally to change your whole life, to give you the courage to move on and find a different path in life. Yeah, I agree. I really agree. It can take one one instant, right? One mm-hmm. person and saying one thing to somebody. So these these two guys that uh, died from uh, suicide was it was it drugs involved in both of them? Um, one was alcohol and one was drugs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Again, I'm so sorry to hear, and I, I just want to yeah. want to ask about that specifically because you know the 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 purpose of this podcast is to spread awareness about you know suicide and suicide pre- prevention, and to talk about the stigma of around mental health, and to try and break it down so that people start being willing to talk about these things and and really start seeking the help that they need, you know, to find their one person who's going to say that thing to help them feel like a million bucks, right. To your point and, mm-hmm. and really help, you know, change a life and save a life. So uh, with that said, again, Sherry, thank you again for being here and being willing to be a leader and step up and share your story in service of helping somebody else. So thank you. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. We all need to do a, you know, some kind of purpose in life. And even if it's just something small, we got to try to follow through and, you know, help as much as we can. Absolutely. So tell us about your book, The Shattered Oak. (laughs) So The Shattered Oak is a story of um, my mother and it's her, you know, her life. Um, She had came from a broken past, um, a very poor family. And, you know, kind of like the Cinderella of the family um, didn't get to her, her family members never let her, you know, go to see her friends and she just had to work and they abused her. But all the other siblings were never abused and she could never understand why she was so-called the black sheep of her family. So, you know, the story takes her from um, domestic violence um, in her marriage and then it brings back to the her my father's background, which is poor, and he came from an alcoholic family. Him, and then which led him to be an alcoholic later in life, and he followed the path of drinking too much and taking out his abuse on my mother. Mm. So, because of all the verbal abuse and all. Her childhood experiences um, made her go into depression. And, you know, she was lucky enough to leave my father before she was, you know, ultimately killed by my father at that point in time. 
Um, but then she spiraled down into more depression and into, um, you know, many suicide attempts. So in the state of Connecticut, after you try suicide so many times, um, they appoint you to an institution. So she went to an institution for a couple of years and she only got lucky because a nurse noticed that she had signs and symptoms of a rare disease. So one thing my book entails is that you sometimes got to step out of the box. What seems obvious might not be obvious. Um, just because somebody's mentally ill doesn't mean it's because of their genetic makeup. It might be an underlying disease that's causing their depression or um, their side effects. So my mother had a, a tumor on her pituitary brain, which mm. ended up making her suicidal and go into a deep, dark depression. So she was, you know, um, end up being a medical miracle. Like she was the very first one to be diagnosed with Cushing's disease back in the eighties. Wow. Um, so she ended up being an experiment, a guinea pig down in Maryland. And um, the book teaches you also what it's like to be an experiment, even though it's good for um, everybody else, the outcome, you know, all the different drugs. She was the experiment with the drugs and all the needles and everything to find out what works. So they, she ended up being the first woman filmed for um, surgery for her Cushing's disease, which they went up through her nose and into her brain and took out the mass. And um, the longer the short is, she went through all these hardships and depression and uh, from child abuse to alcoholism and domestic violence. But in the end, she found a way to conquer herself and come out blessed and grateful and healthy. And she overcame her depression and her mental illness. So the book creates a lot of health um, and hope for those who are suffering from suicide. It goes in great detail about like her suicide and how did she get over it? Because it's written in the first person. Yeah. So to your audience, I, wanna, I want um, to shed a light on a couple of things that can help your mechanism to cope with these. Yeah, um, please your suicide. And she did journaling was a huge thing for her to, if you journal every day, you know, you can get out all your um, anxiety and anything that you're thinking about and you find your path, you'll write your path on how to be your own therapist. So that's, you know, one thing in, in, in the book, it sheds a light on music too, like how when you listen to your sad songs, you know, it brings out depression and it brings, you know, brings you into a different kind of mental state. So when you're feeling those feelings of sadness, don't embrace it. Try to go the opposite and put on music that is upbeat and inspiring to get yourself out of depression. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are really great things. So I just, I want to, want to reflect a couple of things back that first of all, what I heard is that when your mom got checked out, it seemed like there was some underlying condition that was causing, or at least a, in a major way, it was um, 
uh, causing that depression and some of those suicidal thoughts. So, you know, some people have those things going on, those feelings happening, and they, they have no idea why. But if we don't go and explore why, what the underlying causes are and what help we might be able to get, then, you know, those problems are just going to, they're going to fester and they're going to probably end up in a, uh, in a bad way. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love that there's, you know, some talk about that in your book. And then there's, there's also what you just said, right? That your, your mom was able to find some really key behaviors that supported her and that were, you know, therapeutic for her in music and, and in journaling and things like that. So it, it sounds like the shattered oak not only tells this story, but it also gives people some tools to be able to help them in their own lives. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's that's just really cool. And I, I just want everybody to know that you can find The Shattered Oak on Amazon and uh, pretty much anywhere that you can buy books. And Barnes uh, Noble. Will, it's on Audible yeah. too. Audible, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and before we wrap up here, we'll make sure that uh, that everybody gets uh, you know, whatever whatever platforms you you want them to reach out to you on if they have questions or if they want to buy the book and everything. So... Um, I'd love to, to to check in with you now about your experience of all this. You know, excuse me, you're 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 the child of this person, right? And you you witnessed it firsthand, and and as much, you know, in a in a way that you were able to write an entire book about the story, right? So, what was what was the impact of all of that on you growing up? So when you're young, I think you just, um, you don't know any better and you think it's normal. Like, you know, I think when I went to school and my mother would, you know, have bruises on her and come to my meetings, you know, the school functions, you know, you almost like, I think sometimes you realize you, you think that's okay. Like, it's just, it's just the norm of how life should be. And you don't really think too much more about it until you get a little bit older and you realize it's wrong. Um, but for me growing up, um, you know, I adjusted as a child. I mean, just like any other child, you know, you run, you hide when everything's going on and and you just watch what's going on down below and you pray for it to be over till the next day. Um, but I think the impact as bad as like some situations can be. And my father had was, you know, had his bad side. He also had an amazing, great side. Um sure. You know, he was really good to us. He didn't hurt us. He only hurt my mother. Um, and he was a really good preacher about preaching about positivity, believe it or not. Um, he always preached like almost every day, always think positive, never think negative. You'll never get what you want if you don't think positive. So throughout my whole life, anything I was doing as a young child, he would always preach to me you know, that I have to, you know, if I said anything that sounded disappointing, he would change that around and say, no, you think positive about this and you can achieve anything you want. You can achieve your goals. So I always took that as um, a way of going through my life. So I think even after they got divorced, um, so my sister was 18, who ended up being my legal guardian. Um, and, she, you know, she took care of me for a couple of years. Um, through those years, I think that positivity 
and that independence. I, I can't be any more proud that I had my own independence because getting my own independence gave me guidance, gave yeah. me my strengths and gave you your beliefs. And then you feel like you can get through anything. So I think who we are and who our makeup is, like everybody comes from a broken past. A lot of people do. And not a lot of people's you know, background is positive. But I think we all learn and we grow from those experiences. And then we learn how to change and we make the best of it and we become better and stronger. Um, but I don't get me wrong. When I was um, 13 and my sister was taking care of me, I think the lack of guidance um, didn't do me well. So at a brief point when I would go visit my mother in the institution and, you know, it was a really crazy, crazy place to go visit. I bet. I went through my own depression and my own thoughts of suicide. I mean, it's only kind of like you're kind of like an apple that falls from the tree, right? Your mother's, you know, suicidal and depressed. Sure. So, you know, that kind of passes on, I think, a little bit. And um, so for myself, um, being 13, how I got out of my own depression and my own suicidal thoughts, I journaled myself. And it really didn't take me that long to just write down what I was going through and how I felt and what path that I need to go to get better. Um, and I was my own therapist and I actually, you know, I never thought of it again after that. It was just a hard time in my life because both my parents were gone and I had my sister just taking care of me. So, um, you know, you learn to cope and you learn your own coping skills. Um, but I think that's, what, you know, like I said, my mother used those coping skills. I, I didn't know that until she passed away. I saw her journals. Mm. Um, but I think um, once again, you know, if people can't afford not everybody, especially in the construction industry, we don't always get insurance um, and you can't always afford to go to the, th you know, to your therapist because nobody wants a hundred dollar bill. Um that it's, you know, if you can't afford to go get therapy, another great way is just try to cope by writing things down and just, you know, you write it, you, you rip it up, you throw it away and nobody has to read it and you discard of it. And I think it's a great way to discard your negative thoughts. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing all that, Sherry. And, and I just want to say too, that, you know, there are most um, local jurisdictions have a hotline for people to call if they're, and, and it's, you know, free, free resources. Like I know here where I live, it's two one one in, uh, in uh, Howard County, Maryland, but you know, there's, there's usually a local uh, number that you can call that you can get some guidance on uh, things like this too. And there's the, you know, national, um, suicide prevention hotline too, that you can Google and look up the number and, and call that. Uh, so I think that people need to understand that there are resources out there, but what I'm hearing you, you know, that are, that don't cost a lot of money, but what I'm hearing you share about Sherry is that there are some coping mechanisms that people can learn. And look, you got, you know, you got lucky in the sense that you found journaling and that journaling really worked for you to, to work through this. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that we can share that with the audience here so that they uh, have that as an idea for a resource too. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. how did you come yeah. up with that idea, journaling? I don't know, to be honest with you. I think I was just so depressed and I don't know, one day I just started writing and I was like, wow, this actually makes me feel better because 
you know, even as an adult, so you're construction workers and, you know, or things that we go through in life, you don't always want to share with everybody. I always put on a mask, you know, you got that smile on your face and nobody ever knew how depressed I honestly was. And I, to this day, I would never probably share it. That's just who I am. But I think if you don't want to be that person, you got to find a way to get rid of it. And for me, somehow I just found writing was a way to dispose of those negative thoughts. And before you know it, you're just writing, writing, writing. And then you also figure out, well, I don't like that. And how, well, how am I going to change that? Or what could I do? Or, or it just feels better to get off your chest because you don't want to tell your friends how you're really feeling. And as adults, sometimes even our friends don't want to hear everything because they have their own problems. Um, so it's not always easy reaching out to your friends or your teachers or your coworkers. So expressing yourself isn't always easy. So sometimes secretly the one way is just to journal and be private about it. I'm not saying that's the right way to go. I also think therapy is a great way to go, but I'm just saying if you can't afford it and you don't want to go the therapy route in the beginning, you could try that to see if that works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for all that. Um, so I want to circle back to something that you said about your dad always preaching positivity and that there was sort of this dichotomy. Like he was, I want to point out that addiction is a sickness, mm -hmm. right? Like it, your dad was unwell. Mm -hmm. He was, he was an alcoholic, it sounds like, and, you know, made some decisions based on that, that were harmful, did some harm, obviously to your mother, you know, with the, with the physical and emotional abuse. And that translated into some harm being done to you and your, and your sister. But at the same time, he was like preaching this positivity message. And that seems like a, it seems like a dichotomy. What was that like for you when you were experiencing that? Oh, I love it. I looked up to him huge. I mean, but I, I mean, like what it, how did, how, did, how was it, you know, looking up to him, but knowing also that he was, you know, causing this harm and. Oh, sure. It's two-sided. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's two-sided. Um, I mean, I was afraid of him as a kid, you know, my father was a tall man and, you know, um, and everybody was afraid of him. And, you know, back in the eighties, a lot of people, even cops were afraid of him. It wasn't like it is nowadays, you know? They, you know, he owned his own property and he told them where to go when they were on his property. And it was just a different situation back then. You didn't really get in trouble for your actions like you do now. So, you know, everything he did way back when he would never get away with now in today's society. Um, but no, I mean, I was definitely fearful. He was a very big man and um, bitter man and a mean man when he was drunk. So that side of him when he was with my mother, I mean, you know, it's wrong and it's fearful, but as a child, you also still love your father. It's an unconditional love, right? So as much as I knew what he did to my mother, I kind of, I could put that aside. I don't know, maybe it's weird, maybe it's strange, but um, I also still adored him in his own way because he was great to me in his own way. I think I understand people. I understand um, where he came from. I understand he didn't get love in his own family. So I think a lot of bigger part of coping is understanding. And if you can understand why the person does what they do, it's easier to forget 
um, not forget, because that's a bad word, um, to move forward um, and um, be okay with the situation and not hold any grudges or, um, you know, disappointments later in life over your childhood. Because if you just understand sometimes where they're coming from and not everybody can, but somehow, I don't know, I just feel like I understood him. I understood he didn't have it easy growing up. And if you read my book, you'll understand why his childhood was bad too. So when you're not loved, it's, it's hard to give love. So I understand that in, the way he loved me was a different kind of love, but I knew he loved me. And I knew if I ever needed him, he was there for me. Did he ever get the help he needed with his alcoholism? So he never recovered from being an alcoholic, but um, being divorced, um, I think helped. Like my mother was just a kind, gentle soul. So I think sometimes personalities just don't clash. They, you know, my mom adapted to his personality um, where some, women wouldn't put up with that. So, and then also times change, the air change where, you know, you'd get in trouble if you struck, you know, if you, you know, domestic violence wasn't acceptable um, in the, eight, I think right later eighties or whatever, you would get in trouble for your actions. So he ended up remarrying and he was just a, a much different man to his next wife than mm. he was to his, to my mother. Mm. Okay. But the apple doesn't fall from the tree, you know, far from the tree. You know, 20 years later, yes, he still had his miserable tendencies being a drunk and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, I got you. I got you. But so, yeah. it, it, so he he never really recovered from that. He recovered, but not he definitely recovered. Like he wasn't as bitter as he was, but um you know, I think your demons from your childhood sometimes are just some, for some people, it's really hard to get over. And for him, drinking was a clutch and it made it life more acceptable, I think. Mm, I got it. I got it. Okay. And so and that's in the construction industry too, right? I mean, drugs, alcohol, heroin, you know, a lot of times people do that just because, um, you know, they can't cope. And, and it's so easy to grab that. And that makes everything all right for the day, but it doesn't make it okay for your life. It'll make, it makes it okay for the next 30 minutes, but the consequences later in life are harder. Yeah. What would you say to some people right now that might be going through that in their life? Oh my gosh, please stop. It's not worth <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's such a better life without drugs, without alcohol, clearer head, clearer thinking, you'll actually prosper, you might make more money, you would move up in promotions, you would feel better about yourself. Um, I, the list goes on and on and on where, um, I mean, it's just an easy thing to, to, to clutch onto. But I think we, as humans need to find the strength to figure out that this is not good. It's not working in our lives. It's not working in your marriage. It might not be healthy for your children. So, um, you know, get the help you need. And, you, you know, you, like I said, you could, you, if you don't want to tell it um, to your, you know, ask, tell your friends, you could do it quietly on social media. There's so many resources available, so many group discussions you can you know google whatever your issue is and you can find support groups you can find therapists you can find a doctor who can help you somebody there's always a way now especially with the internet for help yeah you human, sure. root, 
And if you work for a big company, human resources have um, at your company has, you know, has help. Absolutely. Do you have these kinds of conversations with anybody at the paving company? Because you you must run into folks that are struggling with this type of thing often. And, And at the beginning of this, you mentioned that recently there's been a couple of deaths by suicide lately as a result of drugs and alcohol. Do you, do you get to have this kind of conversation with anybody or? So unfortunately, like being the bookkeeper, I know them, but I don't always know them well, like the people who are out in the field with them. Um, I see them sometimes quickly when they come back, but I don't get to interact with them for the whole eight hours. Yeah. Um, But when they do come back, I always try my hardest to make them, like I say, feel like a million bucks, you know, like, you know, if they tell me their problem, I try to help them get out of their problem in a positive way. Um, Does it always work? I'm not sure. But, you know, like I said, why not try? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it can you tell when somebody is dealing with mental health stuff or drug addiction or alcoholism? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I, I I mean, I mean, some people probably wear a mask good. I might not be able to, but I think sure. coming from the background of a, the casino shutting off, you know, drinking with a lot of people around me that I have to, you know, shut off for alcohol. I mean, I'm very aware of the signs and symptoms of an alcoholic of, you know, um, cocaine use or, you know, your meth, your, your heroin use, you could tell the difference by how they act. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely aware it's not that you can help everybody, but you try your best. Yeah. What, what tips would you give to any of the audience here that might, you know, have a coworker that's a friend of theirs or, uh, you know, a manager or foreman or, uh, somebody in a leadership position, what, what, what can folks look for? Um, personality changes, um, you know, once a happy soul, now walking around a little bit with a frown on their face, reserved, quieter, um, or they could be the opposite. They could be, you know, more outspoken, more verbal, more angry, want to hurt people, hurt life. Um, something just out of the abnormal, they would be acting, you know, um, acting out, taking time off a lot, maybe time off in, in, consecutive days because they binged and they're not feeling well and they have to sleep. Um, so just, you know, looking at, you know, their not, you know, their sick time and how they're really just making sure you are in touch with your employees. If you know your employee, you should know when they're not acting the same way that they normally act. Sure. Sure. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, I I would imagine you, you know, as you shared, you have some interactions with people and you've seen all of this stuff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So, Sherry, for you now at the at the stage of life you're in now, how how do you cope with any you know, uh, uh 
any kind of, you know, sadness and when you, when your feelings come up, right? Like you, you've yeah, been through sure. all of this well, stuff. Not perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, we're, and we're all human beings. So, 100%. you know, things, there's a, there's a huge distinction between feeling sad and being clinically depressed, right. Or having right. some, you know, nervousness and some anxiety than, you know, clinical anxiety, mm-hmm. right? You know, so I'm not I'm not asserting that you have anything clinical going on, but you are a human being and and it just right. seems we all like, have our ups and downs just yeah. everybody has their problems. Exactly. Some are big, some are small. Right. Yeah, so with with you having all of this experience that you've been through, everything that you've witnessed, all of the 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 stuff, you know, your own suicidal thoughts as a teenager and how you dealt with it then. So when when that kind of stuff comes up now, how do you deal with it? I love this question. Because this is such an important question. And I think it's all how we perceive our lives. So for me, A, I always look at the glass full, not empty. And that's such a huge thing to remind all of us. And it's, I think when you're depressed, it's so easy to always say the glass is empty, poor me, this is happening, this is happening. Well, take this bad situation because every bad situation, it could be a death, it could be anything. There's always still a blessing. You just got to find it. What is the purpose of this? Why did this happen to me? And there must be a reason this happened to me. And how can this make me grow to be a better person? And how can I be grateful that I realized why um, I'm feeling sad over this? So I think gratefulness and just like always finding um, the try to find that one small thing out of the bad situation. I mean, there really is, even though you don't think there's an answer to the bad situation, there's always something good that you learn from it. And it, it could be just learning your life lesson and how to, you learned how to cope with it. And now that's something you could be grateful for that you went through this hardship and now you can get better over it. So I think hardships are actually great because they teach us how to grow. And now yeah. uh, you learn, you know, we all make mistakes. It takes 25 or 30 failures before we you know, find the way through and how to cope. So, you know, we learn from each experience, but I think gratefulness, you know, like um, I, I drive through a town that's really, really poor before I go to work sometimes. And I see homeless people. And that's one of my things I always think about. I'm just grateful. I'm not homeless. So, I mean, it could be whatever it could be gratefulness on anything, but I mean, everybody's life can change in an instant and you just don't know how it's going to change. So just be grateful that today you are breathing, your heart's beating you might not be in the best state. So if I'm not in a good state and I shouldn't be in a good state, I change my music on my radio. Um, I listen to the comedy channel, like to get sometimes like if I'm not in the mood to go to work, I'll put on the comedy channel just so I get a laugh before I go to work before the madness starts. So really laughter is a great medicine, you know, so not everybody probably has serious radio in their car, but you know, you can download it on your phone and probably play, you know, play it from iHeartRadio or Pandora. And uh, I mean, sometimes if you're, I don't, even if it's a meeting, you don't want to go to um, just put yourself in a better mindset before you get there. And I think you can accomplish it. And we, we all have those meetings we don't want to go to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So totally normal. But you know, yeah. you, you know what I really love about this, Sherry, and and I th- there's a common theme with you know everybody that I have on the show that I interview. Everybody's been victimized by something. You know, you were you were a victim of something. You were a victim of 
domestic violence and your mother was a victim of domestic violence, you know, even if you were just the witness of it. Right. And, you know, you grew up with, with some dysfunction happening. And so you, you were a victim of something, but you're not acting victimized anymore. You made a decision to take responsibility for yourself and your, you know, your own actions and your own experience of life. And you created these uh, coping mechanisms and, and ways that you can have gratitude, ways that you could look for the silver lining and things that are going on that are, you know, unhappy or, or not in alignment with what you want. Right. And and I just think that's so amazing. I think it's right, such not a, everybody's, you know, my life might not compare to a lot of other people who have it so much worse than I do. And their problems are great, way great, you know, a lot greater than mine. So I don't want to make it sound like it's all fairy tales and, you know, and pixie dust. But, you know, if you could just pick yourself up in just a little bit of a way and find what you enjoy in life, um, you know, that's another great avenue. What do you ask yourself in the morning? If you're that depressed, well, what do I really enjoy? What do I like to do? What can I do today? What, what can I do to make my day better, to make me feel better? Could yeah. it be a walk? Could it be calling my friend? Could it be eating a chocolate bar? <laughs> I don't know, you yeah. know, but just finding that way. Cause you know, not everybody, not everybody has the same amount of problems. And it's, I'm not saying it's easy to get out of your problems. And when you're in that situation, a lot of people don't know how to get out of it. And they say, my positivity doesn't work, but you just got to get your mindset, I think, in the right frame of mind in the morning on just what makes you happy. What can I do today? Yeah, well, I think that just hearing this, what I would invite the listeners to consider is that it's possible, that it's not easy not right. easy to your point, Sherry. Right? It's not easy, and people no, I have gone. Where it wasn't easy, so I'm not saying it's easy. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and you know, I've you know, this is the the goal of this podcast. I you know, I talk to people on here that have gone through some horrific stuff. You know, some horrendous shit. You know that people, you know, people nobody should deal with, right? And especially as a kid, you know, many of these stories come from when we were, when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And so none of it is easy. None of it is, you know, anything that you or I would wish on anybody coming up. Right. But I think the point is, is that transformation is possible Mm -hmm. and, you know, learning, learning coping skills is possible, you know, figuring out a way to, to live a different life and one that's you know, more in service of and conducive of the life that we really truly dream of is possible. And if we can start there, if we can start by having it be possible that we can get out of addiction, that we can get out of, uh, you know, an abusive situation or that we can get out of, you know, just, a, you know, a job we don't like or, you know, a financial situation that's not working. If we can start there, that is possible. Then we can start looking at how. You know, mm-hmm. who are the resources that I need to be talking to? What are the coping mechanisms that I need to, you know, practice? And, you know, then we're then we're actually on a path and we can create a plan. But you've got to start with believing it's possible. And I think like with the construction workers, same with me, I'm not highly skilled or highly educated. We need to take our dysfunctions and realize that they're strengths because they really yeah. are. Like, just because you may think you're dysfunctional, you don't have a degree or this or that, 
and your life wasn't perfect, but these are all great strengths because you know what? We know we're street smart. We know how to take care of the day-to-day tasks. You don't need that degree or you don't need, um, you know, things to be perfect. But just remember all these dysfunctions are great strengths. Life lessons are worth more than any degree hanging on any wall any day. Uh, I, yes, I, I wish we could rewind that back and, and have you say that all over again, but having it, having it recorded here on the podcast is good enough for me. Thank you so much for that, Sherry. That was, that was really awesome. You know? Yeah. Well, that's another thing my father always preached because he wasn't smart either, but he made a multi, you know, multi-million dollar corporation. Street smart's always better than book smart. You don't have to be book smart to, you know, to accomplish things in life. Yeah. And construction workers are kind of, I don't know, like, I mean, some people do go to college for, you know, construction management, but, um, you know, you, you don't have to be book smart to be street smart and you can accomplish anything you want if you put your mind to it. Yeah. And also street smart doesn't necessarily mean you have to suffer through pain, mm-hmm. right? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make us stronger just because we can take more pain than another right. person. You know, that's why go. I really want to encourage people to, you know, to, to reach out, like reach out to a therapist, reach out to a hotline. Like Sherry said, go online and and get on social media and find some support groups or something. Talk to people. Uh, if you're if you're unwilling to talk to your you know uh, coworkers about it or your friends about it or family members about it, that's totally fine. To Sherry's point earlier, but get some help. You know, just because you just because you have pain and you can take more than somebody else doesn't necessarily mean that you know, that's a superpower. It's a superpower for you to take care of yourself and and find a way to uh, uh, be able to live the life that you want to live. Because ultimately, that's going to set an example for another person and make the world a better place. Yep. Getting help is a strength. It's not a weakness. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Uh, So, Sherry, why don't you why don't you take a moment and uh, let everybody know again where they can find the Shattered Oak book and how they can get in touch with you and and everything like that. Um, yep. So the book, The Shattered Oak, is available on Amazon. It's available on Audible. It's available at Barnes and Noble. It's available on Kindle. You could go on my website. I have a couple suicide articles on there and a couple other um you know, small little podcast things you can Google around to try to get some help. Um, and that my website is www.theshatteredoak.com. Um, and, you know, that's a great resource there. But just remember, there's always help. Strength in numbers is always better than being by yourself. Being part of a tribe is always better than trying to do things by yourself. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So in, in wrapping this up here, Sherry, what would you leave the audience with today? Oh my gosh, that take a bad situation, turn your life around. You could do it. There's, you just got to find courage is I think your first step because a lot of people don't have the courage and you have to be ready to take the courage. Not, you know, it has to be your time. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be in a week, but everybody works on their own time, but, you know, try to make it as timely as you can and find the courage and, 
move to the next step. You know, if you have to move in with a friend and, you know, just seek shelter from domestic violence, it could be man or woman, no gender intended, um, you know, or if you just need help, you know, when you're ready, take that first step in courage and go get help. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really great. Yeah, everybody, everybody listening to this is totally worth it too. And, and, you know, if it, if it happened for me and it happened for Sherry, it can certainly happen for them, right? That's right. Absolutely. Whatever you put your mind to is, you know, they always say, even if you don't believe it, like (laughs) there's times I don't believe things about myself. You could either write it down, put it on your mirror at home. I mean, I haven't done that yet, but I think about that, but you know, you, you, it's just your mindset. So even if you, don't, you know, if you feel fearful, which I've felt fearful many times, you mm-hmm. just got to change that mindset, even though you don't believe in, in it, you're going to say how confident you are. And once you find, you know, that you retrain your brain, you'll have a better outcome. Yeah, I love that. And thanks for sharing that you were fearful too, right? I've, I've been fearful many times also. And I feel like, it, you know, especially for men out there in the world, it's not, it's not the norm where we talk out loud about things that we're scared of. And I just want to say that. So people start real relating to it as normal. We're all human beings uh, to, to Sherry's point earlier. We're not perfect. You know, we have, we all have, you know, thoughts and feelings that are disempowering and that doesn't make us any less of a person. It doesn't make us weak. It's just, it just makes us a human being. So uh, and please, we were born please, in please. A difference. Yeah. Right. Some of us uh, were born in bad situations. Yeah. You can't control. Yeah, you can't control that, but you can you can take action for your future. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so all that being said, Sherry, thank you so much again for being with us here today. I really appreciate you dropping some golden nuggets for the audience here. Thank you for letting us know about the Shattered Oak. It's uh, it's an amazing story. I feel like everybody should read it. It's um, uh, it, it's great and it can change life. So, uh, thanks for being here today. And with that. I am your host, Mick Carbo. This is the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. We're signing off for today and we'll see you next week. It's our hope that this story makes a difference for another person. If it helps one person, we believe we've done our work. Consider telling a friend about this podcast. You might just make a difference for them too. Accomplishment Coaching world's finest coaches training program. I owe much of the man I am today to the work I've done and the relationships I've built in this community. For anybody out there who wants to start a career as a coach or enhance their skills as a coach, look no further. Transform your life and set yourself up to win in your coaching business at the same time. Find out more at accomplishmentcoaching.com.